0: She loves meeting new people. For her, every encounter is a chance to show somebody uh, God's love. She um, meets all kinds of people, a lot of people who are very different from her, Uh, even people who resist her presence at first almost always come around when they realize this woman's obviously not a threat. She meets these people mostly in a business environment. Uh, where profit's really the bottom line. But for her, it's always love that's in the driver's seat. And her life is so full of peace and joy and contentment, each day kind of feels like its own treasure, you know? He loves information, especially information that reinforces how right he is and how wrong everybody else is. It's like he can't get enough of it. He just... Spends every day ingesting more for hours and hours at a time. His biggest fear is probably not being good enough. He's working tirelessly to prop himself up. He's really afraid of a future judgment from God if he somehow misses the mark. Reads his Bible faithfully every single day. Warns other people to be ready for God's judgment. Finds a lot of satisfaction in knowing that all the people who've done him wrong, they're going to get what's coming to them from God someday. <laughs> to be honest, each day feels a little bit like a burden. Sometimes that's a burden you've got to bear whenever you're right. Which of these two do you think is living a faithful Christian life? Man, that is a question that matters. And Jesus seems to be very committed to answering that question. In fact, in this Sermon on the Mount series we've been in for a long time now, he keeps describing to us these options we have for how we'll live our one and only life. He keeps holding out this old world order that we're all very familiar with, we've all been very well trained in, and he keeps comparing it to something he calls the kingdom or the kingdom of heaven or sometimes just heaven or we'll sometimes call it the kingdom of love. And it's like he wants to be so sure that we know exactly what he's offering, what a life in love would look like, because there's always the possibility we'll just take the old world order and baptize that in a bunch of religion and convince ourselves that we're living God's dream. But what Jesus keeps pushing at, which is sometimes uncomfortable to hear, is something else. Uh, For the last few weeks we've been digging into this particular part of his sermon. Uh, Let me read it to you again today. He says, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them, where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, here's your other option, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them, where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And nobody can serve two masters you're either going to hate one and love the other or be loyal to the one, have contempt for the other. You can't serve both God and wealth or both God, the kingdom of God, and the kingdoms of this world. You can't serve both of those. You've got to pick. <laughs> Notice how he describes both these options as treasures. Both of them are getting at something we deeply desire. Both of them are the kinds of things human beings are willing to trade our one and only lives for. And Leslie reminded us um, in the very first part of this section of our sermon that the treasure we want is the treasure we get. And boy, do I have good news for us today. (laughs) Because if the treasure you want is the Jesus we just sang about, I just want to trust Jesus more. If that's really the treasure you want, this is good news. Life in the love of God, friends, lasts forever. When I choose... To treasure his presence in this life, I'm already learning how to enjoy him in the next one. Love is the one treasure that cannot be destroyed, and I will never lose. Man, that's good news. See, I think according to Jesus, only one of those moments I described, persons I described a few moments ago is. I'm not saying they're not both believers, I'm saying only one of them is living a Christian life or a Christ-following life. Only one of them has discovered the lasting treasure of God's love. And rather than living in God's love, the other one is afraid of God's wrath and considers they have to earn God's love. And instead of living out God's love toward others, he's protecting his own self and projecting his fear onto them as well. And tragically, the treasure we want is the treasure that we get because we get to choose our treasure. Jesus uses choosing language. Did you notice that? He says, stop collecting this treasure, people. Stop buying this and start collecting treasures for yourselves in heaven. Stop collecting. Start collecting. There's a, a big contrast here in the choice that we face. He keeps underscoring the contrast because our choices really matter. We make our choices And then our choices make us, don't they? Tryon Edwards says, thoughts lead to purposes, and purposes go forth in actions, and actions become habits, and habits define character. Every time we make a decision, we are setting a trajectory. We're answering the question, what kind of human am I becoming? Am I becoming somebody whose life is increasingly secure in God's love and I feel free to live that love out with other people? Or am I becoming a person who feels like I gotta work harder? I gotta work harder. I don't know if I have God's love or not. <laughs> Choices matter. As you choose, don't miss the good news I have for us today. Life and the love of God last forever. When I choose to treasure his presence in this life, I'm already learning how to enjoy him in the next one. Because love's the one treasure that can't be destroyed and that I will never lose. We get to choose our treasure. Now make no mistake, the heart chooses what the heart wants. <laughs> Jesus underscores that like, it's where your treasure is. Hey, that's where your heart's going to be. In other words, we're lovers before we're thinkers. We're defined by the affections of our hearts. Our hearts set the trajectory of our lives. Jesus doubles down on this heart language. Notice how he uses something like love and hate. These two, he goes, you can't have them both. You're going to hate one love the other one. You're going to be loyal to one. You're going to have contempt for the other one. See, the truth is we have competing desires much of the time, don't we? It's like, I really want that. Oh, yeah, I also want that. <laughs> And if we don't get honest about the fact that sometimes there are multiple things that we want, then we'll almost always go for the one that feels good, looks the easiest, gives us the dopamine hit, whatever that is. Like, we'll just go for the low-hanging fruit, you know? Which is why we teach in Get Real groups, Chuck, that it's so important for us to be able to get real with God, let him meet us right where we are, good, bad, or ugly, because at least we're getting honest about what we want, you know? Even if what we want is not that great. Because maybe if we get honest about it, there's a treasure we want more if we were just courageous enough to name it and courageous enough to name the lies that are keeping us from it, maybe if we held them out in front of us like Jesus is telling us to do here, and we looked at them, and we go, I could go there. Hmm, I could have this. Which one do I really want? Because our choices matter, and a heart chooses what the heart wants. We just got to get honest about that. And Jesus uses such graphic language to describe all of this because our choices have consequences, now consequences. They have forever consequences. This is your life we're talking about, right? You get, you get one go-around. Your one and only life hangs in the balance of our choices, and every choice is answering that question. What kind of human am I becoming? What kind of a human am I becoming? It's not a trivial question. you got to live with the person you're becoming. All the people around you have to live with the person you're becoming. And Scripture repeatedly bears out there's another moment coming someday when our choices are going to carry even greater consequences the apostle paul says we are going to all stand in front of the judgment seat of god and each of us will give an account of ourselves to god in other words what's real about us will be revealed about us <laughs> the person we become will be known and shown there'll be no hiding and no pretense at that moment the me i be is the me we'll see you're welcome glad to be back. Paul uses an even more jarring metaphor. in One of his letters to early Christians like us. He says, no one can lay any other foundation besides the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, right? So whether someone builds then on top of that foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, grass, and hay, each one's work, each one's treasure will be clearly shown The day will make it clear because it'll be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work survives, they'll get a reward. If anyone's work goes up in flames, they'll lose it. However, they themselves will be saved, but like they've gone through a fire. Now, let's talk about that a moment because that one gets misused all over the place. It's actually good news. Notice we build on the foundation of Jesus by how we live our lives. Listen, friends, two things can be true at the same time, right? I have been rescued by Jesus from the kingdom of darkness, and I have been put into the kingdom of love. And I get to partner with him in that kingdom of love with what he's up to in the world. Paul put it like this elsewhere. He said, we are God's accomplishment. Done. Signed, sealed, delivered created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned these good things to be the way we live our lives. Or as Dallas Willard famously said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. In other words, I know God by grace, and I get to participate in that grace. I'm not earning it, but I get to be part of it. And when we arrive at the end, whatever else that's going to look like, The quality of what we built with our lives is going to be disclosed. The real you, stripped of all pretense, will be in the fullness of God's loving presence. The day will make it clear. It will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. What we built on the foundation of Jesus. Now, obviously Paul's not talking about hellfire here because he's saying all of us are going to experience this fire, so it can't possibly be that he's using a powerful metaphor. We understand it. They really got it. A refiner's fire where you put something in and only what's pure comes back out, right? And what he's saying is the question that will really matter on that day when our works are tested is to what degree are we compatible with God's love? Everything that is of love is going to survive the fire. Whatever's not compatible with love will go up in flames and be lost. Only love is fireproof. I'll say that again. Only love is fireproof. And Paul's quite clear. You're not going to be lost. It just might not be the most fun day you've ever had. <laughs> if all your treasure was built over here and it didn't include a deep devotion to love, you got to watch all that go up in smoke. It's like, whoo, that might not be fun. Paul's just saying, Your choices have consequences now and forever. It's why we're so deeply committed to this idea of equipping people to become an unstoppable source of God's love, like Chuck, in our world. (laughs) Because life and the love of God last forever. When I choose to treasure his presence in this life, I'm already learning to enjoy him. And the next one loves the one treasure that cannot be destroyed, and I will never lose. And that is good news. It is for me. I know some of you uh, grew up in uh, maybe spiritual training that looks something like this top diagram. If We could bring them up real quickly here. Um, I'm living my life and someday I'm going to die and then I'm going to go up to heaven where I'm going to have eternal life. <laughs> but the more and more that I've read scripture, the clearer there is to me that Jesus isn't talking about going to heaven when we die. He almost never talks about going to heaven when we die, by the way. When we're storing up treasure where moth and rust can't corrupt and where thieves can't steal it, he's basically saying you're bringing the life of heaven into your life right now. Come and live the life of the heavens, people. This is the other option that God's making available to us in Jesus. Just trust Jesus and build on that foundation a life of love. And it's like you're living in heaven now. Won't it be wonderful, kind of, when love reveals everything that's not of love? I mean, for those of us committed to living in love, it will be because we're, we're discovering new freedom and more freedom as we live in the love of God full on. Won't it be great someday when all the stuff that's left in us that's not of love just gets stripped away by the fire of God's love and only the purity of love remains and we're totally free forever? Won't that be amazing? But we don't have to wait to start experiencing that. See, the fire of God's judgment, in this case, what we're talking about here, it's not something for us to fear or avoid. It's actually something for those of us committed to love, to anticipate, to long for, to look forward to this incredible day of truth and freedom. You know what would be even better? What if we would be so completely at home in God's love in this part of our life that when the death moment comes and we're ushered into the next part, we don't even notice We've shared this with you before. Uh, Dallas Willard first compelled me with this vision years ago when I, I read his famous quote, I think that when I die, it might be some time before I know it. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> if you get to the moment, the crossing over moment, and all it is is like a continuation even better of the story you already live in? It's like now I get to the rest of the story. <laughs> it's going to be an even better experience of this amazing story with God. I've been living for years. That's what it looks like. Listen to me, friends. Such good news today. Life and the love of God last forever. And when I choose to treasure his presence in this life, I'm already learning how to enjoy him in the next one. Because love's the one treasure. It can never be destroyed. And I will never lose. David, would you come up and uh, join me, help me wherever you are? I have a prayer for you today. It's one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask Him to strengthen you by His Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Him in. And I ask Him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in With all the followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love, reach out and experience the breadth, Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the goodness of God. That's my prayer for us this morning. I'm going to attempt a song. It's one of the favorite hymns of my childhood. And we're going to leave some of that prayer up there on the screen for you. And I hope that maybe uh, as you listen to the words of this song that I think captures the love of God so beautifully for me, that maybe it'll also capture it for you. And ask yourself what choice? What choice am I making?
1: we would think the old Oh Though stretched from the sky to the sky. roll.
0: It's one of my favorite songs. There's a song I break out into at the house sometimes. I scare my wife to death. She'll so be like, Would you stop that? It's the love of God, honey. <laughs> life and the love of God last forever, my friend. When I choose to treasure his presence in this life, I'm already learning to enjoy them in the next one. Because love is the one treasure. Cannot be destroyed. And I will never lose. And I don't know how to encourage you any more than that to say, friend, choose the love of God. Trust Jesus. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray that for us. Father, thank you for your love. (laughs) It's better and bigger broader, wider, deeper, higher than we could imagine. Thank you, Father, that we're caught up in all of it. Our, our brains are so small, they can't even possibly conceive how much we're loved, that we are much-loved children of God, and we can say to anyone, anywhere, anytime, I love you, because we know they're loved by you too. Father, thank you for this beautiful church family that we get to live this story together. I pray this week, God, we would be an unstoppable source of your love in our homes and families and schools. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody say.